When you spend time in your prayer life, what do you usually ask? How do you come to Him? When is it right to talk to God? Are there certain things that we should say or certain things that we should not say to the Lord? Is it right to talk to God when you're frustrated or angry? Should we pull ourselves together before coming to the Lord in prayer? How are we to approach the Lord when our days become dark? These are all the questions that we're going to ask today of the psalm. Uh, what I think David is writing to us to give us a model for how we are to seek the Lord even in our darkest of hours. Thankfully, the Lord has given us the Psalms for this very reason. Now, the Psalms are actually a unique set of writings for us as the Christian, a writings that are make up of songs and prayers to the Lord, where we rightfully understand how to worship God through the Psalms. But another thing is these writings teach us. They teach us so much more as that we are a people of ranging emotions. You might even think of your own time of uh, where your emotions gone astray, where you seem like uh, you're taken over by your own emotions. The Psalms are helped us. You see, the psalmist mirrors just about every human condition that someone can go through in this world. In these Psalms, the writer brings to our attention his response, his response primarily to the Lord. And because the psalmist responds to the Lord in worship, we can learn from the psalmist so that we too might respond to God across our ranging motions. But as we will see today in our passage, what I hope we see today is that when your days become dark, remember the steadfast love of the Lord. When your days become dark, remember the steadfast love of the Lord. So no, no matter what you face in this life, remember, God's goodness to his people is to prepare us with a foundation that is sturdy to withstand the storm. Now I realize not everyone here is dealing with sorrow, maybe depression or, or anger in their lives today. Some of us might actually be experiencing joy like we have never before. Maybe you got a new job or a promotion at work. Maybe you started a new relationship that you are, are loving this season of your life. And that is okay. God uh, gives good and gracious things to his people so that we might rejoice in him for the things he's given us. But what I want you to do is not to check out uh, as you hear this sermon today. Don't check out, but yet hear this. For a time will come, and I say will, because it's not a matter of if, but when this time comes. But a time will come when you find yourself hard-pressed to carry on. If sorrow hasn't visited your soul, then praise God for that. However, we shouldn't void our ears to the Lord when life seems good. What I hope that you walk away with today is comfort in the Lord that, although sorrow might darken your door, God's grace leads you to sing because we can rely on His promise, the promise of His Word. So if you remember the story of Jesus calming the storm uh, as he's on the, the, the sea where the wind and waves are raging, when he stood on the boat and called out to the wind and the waves to be still, how do you recall the disciples approaching Jesus uh, in, this, in this storm? How do you recall that story going in, uh, in your own head? Well, if you're not familiar with it, 
in case you uh, haven't heard it before, I just kind of want to quickly recap that story that we see in uh, the Gospels, uh, specifically Mark 4. Uh, we see that there's this great storm on the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples are going along with Jesus across the sea uh, to get to the other side so that Jesus is able to preach and proclaim the gospel uh, to the people on the other side of the sea. But uh, the disciples, uh, as they're on their way across, suddenly in, in the evening, this huge storm comes about, much like you would picture like a hurricane. Uh, and in fact, the, the wind is raging, though the waters are uh, capsizing over the boat, where the boat is quickly filling up, and yet uh, darkness looms around them, as you can imagine a storm approaching them over the sea. Imagine what the disciples might be feeling in this. A sense of, uh, if you've ever been out on maybe an open water, or maybe out in the sea, if you look all across the ways around you, what do you see but nothing? There's no aid for you to help. There's no uh, rescue that's coming for you, but rather you see the expanse of the waters and notice that there is no help around you, but rather the storm that faces you. As the wind and waves are raging, the disciples were fearful, fearful for their lives. But yet, Jesus, where was he? Peacefully sleeping on a cushion under the bow of the boat. The disciples are, are scared for their lives, and yet Jesus, our Savior, is resting his head on a cushion as if nothing was happening in this world. In their panic and desperation, the disciples woke Jesus and said to him, what do you think they said to him? Lord, we know you, we trust you. Lord, would you help us through this? Would you give us some peace so that we might uh, steer clear of the storm? Well, Lord, we know that you care for us and surely you could give us some comfort here in this moment. No, the disciples in their fear, they go to wake Jesus and what do they say to him? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Essentially saying, do you not care that we are about to die, Lord? Maybe for some of you, you feel this in your own soul today. They were in utter fear, believing that their lives were about to be taken uh, by them at any moment. They wake Jesus in question as if he even cares for them. The disciples felt forsaken by Christ. And they felt that they were about to die. Well, for some of us here in this room, you, you might be in this state right now. Where things are pressing in on you, or maybe uh, uh, situations that have uh, caused you great turmoil or, or pain in your own lives, you might feel that the Lord has forsaken you. Though we may not have experienced the same fear that the disciples are encountering in the story, we've certainly felt the heartache of sorrow that leads us to question God. And again, I would say if that question hasn't come upon you lately, then know that it is not a time of if it will happen, but rather when. So what will you do in that situation? What will you do when the wind and the waves come crashing down on you? Where will you turn and to whom will you seek comfort? This is certainly true of David that we'll see here in our passage today, where, uh, which first we will look to at his condition. So there, if you have your outline, you'll notice in your bulletin, uh, we'll see this in three different waves where we first look at his condition. 
David's condition. Well, to be plain, these first two verses show the condition of David's desperation in this moment. Here in the psalmist, David is crying out to the Lord. In fact, he says, how long, O Lord, is actually repeated four times in this passage. In a number of six verses, four times does he cry out, how long, O Lord? Each question giving us an understanding of David's emotional state. He's low. He's in turmoil from his sadness. He's what we would call clinically depressed. He's groaning in his mind and his heart for some time. And yet, notice that he essentially says about God. He essentially says, how long will you forget me? How long will you hide your presence from me, O Lord? This is David's perception of God during this pain and sorrow in his life. But let's not confuse what's going on here. The psalmist is not declaring God's attributes in this passage. Rather, he is poetically exclaiming the hopelessness that he feels within himself. This is not a character of, God, you have left me, you have forsaken me. But rather, this is David's perception of what he feels in his own soul. God has not forgotten his servant David, and he is not hiding from him. David is simply hurting. For many of you, you might be hurting in this room. To give you an illustration of this, of the way in which God is for him, and yet in his perception, he feels abandoned by him. Think of this as we see the sun. God's care for his children is like the sun. It's constant. The sun is ever there throughout the day, but yet, Even though the clouds have covered up the sun, it doesn't mean the sun isn't there. It's always there. It's always shining. Yet in our perception, clouds have overtaken and have blocked us from the rays of the sun. It's David's perception that causes him to question God's care for his well-being. Other characters in the Bible are no stranger to grief, and certainly maybe uh, you yourself might not be either. In fact, Many share the same psalmist's distance from God. Take, take Jonah, uh, the minor prophet that we visited just a few weeks earlier. Jonah found himself in a well of a problem. In his prayers, the Lord says this. Jonah now recount, recounting his prayer to the Lord. He says, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounds me. All your waves are billows billowing past over me. Then I have said, I am driven away from your sight. Jonah was brought to sorrow in the belly of the whale, and in the time of his distress, he felt far from God. Or maybe Hannah. If you were to think about it, Hannah uh, in Samuel, remember Hannah was a barren woman with no children. She was longed for a child to raise on her own, but was unable to conceive. For some of you today, this is a very real sorrow that maybe brings suffering to you now. Many women and even men in this room struggle with this heartache that they may be going through. I include men because, for, uh, because first, we may only think of our sisters in this light, but we should remember our brothers too, that although they desire uh, along for a child, simply for some reason, the Lord has not brought this blessing to them. 
How are they comforted in this sorrow? Notice what Hannah says. She cries out to the Lord, deeply distressed and weeping bitterly. She says, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son. Hannah's despair for her child begs the question, how long, O Lord? And then, of course, we, we see Christ. We see Christ who, who bore uh, the pain and sorrow uh, to the point of death. Jesus himself bore our grief, our grief on the cross. As he, became, as he came into the garden, he brought Peter and James and John. And what, what does he say? What, what, what does he bring to the Lord? He says, where he became greatly distressed and troubled, he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to the point of death. Remain here and watch as I pray. Christ himself, who cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, experienced grief to the point of death. It's often a regular temptation for those who are struck with grief to continue in darkness by their own thoughts. Maybe you might be taken to darkness and yet find yourself swimming in darkness all the days of your life. Maybe you feel like there's no escape to where you come up for breath from the, from the waters and yet another raging wave come crashes down on you. David's struggle with himself, see there in verse 2, he struggles. He says, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? These are David's words. David is overwhelmed continually. Actually, the NIV translation says this, how long must I wrestle with my own thoughts? Have you ever had something on your mind that you couldn't quite shake? Maybe thoughts that brought you low or thoughts that, where you even question your own worth? Questions like, why does no one respect me? Maybe you might be in a position where you have authority and yet no one's listening to your authority. Questions like, will I ever overcome my sin? Can I ever lose the weights? Maybe it's, how long will you keep good from me, O Lord? Maybe will I be single forever? Or when will this disease finally take my life? Maybe these are the questions that you begin chewing on, regularly thinking of, over and over throughout your life, and yet you can't escape them. For me, I have always wrestled with the question for my future. As a nine-year-old boy, I was diagnosed with a uh, disease called cystic fibrosis. It's a genetic lung disease that I've been told that will one day take my life. So from the very young and early age, I began thinking about my mortality what it would be like when that day would come. What it would be like for my family when sorrow billows roll. CF has affected every decision of my life. And yet, through God's providence, He has adopted me into His family of God through faith in Jesus Christ just a year earlier. How sweet this was. But unlike the, unlike the false gospel that we see in our culture that promises health and wealth, there have been times of deep sorrow in my soul. I have, a, I have had years of struggling with self-worth, 
questions that came without no answer, promise from the world and from the flesh that would never deliver. But by God's grace and mercy, salvation in Christ set a foundation in my soul that could not be overcome. A foundation that cannot be overcome by the pressing world around me. But here's what I hope that you see from this today. No matter what's going on in your life, what you're going through, the doctrine of God's sovereignty tells us two things that we can rest our head on. That God is in control in the world around us. And that whatever has gone astray in your world today, it is for a purpose. The doctrine of God's sovereignty tells us that God is in control in the world around us and that whatever has gone astray in our world will be for a purpose. So how do we move forward with this? We discern God's will for our lives, evaluate our heart in all circumstances. But let me give you some caution here for the road ahead. One that maybe you have not faced. Certainly there are things that are hard for us to swallow. But now hear this. It's easier for us to swallow them than to chew on them. It's easier for accept the things that the Lord has for us rather than chew on them day and day and ask for questions. Questioning the Lord. Thinking of how this will resolve. What your life will be like in the future to come. Parents, maybe uh, if you've ever seen your children take medicine, isn't just aggravating. Uh, maybe they're sick or maybe they're uh, going through uh, some illness of some kind and, and you know the solution to them is that they would uh, maybe fight this bacteria or fight off this uh, disease with antibiotics. Yet the, the medicine that's to bring to them uh, uh, restoration is actually the medicine they don't want at all because they don't like the taste of it. You know what I mean by this. So much of their misery will be gone if they would just swallow the medicine. That's true for us in our own sorrow. If we would just accept that this is what God has for us in our lives, then we can move on. Move on to see that it is for our good, whether we see it or not. When we chew on our circumstances in our lives, Questions like, if I had done this, or, or why am I not like her? And maybe, when will this happen in my life? Questions like that, they begin to consume our thoughts. There's a point when these questions do more harm than they are a help to us. Before long, anxiety and fear begin to control us. We find ourselves soon unable to do normal, everyday things. Other people begin to recognize our hang-ups because it's all that we ever talk about. Is that true of you? Have you not believed and trusted that the Lord has brought you good things even through personal heartache, through hard times, through storms in your life? What today should you trust the Lord in? When trouble lasts long in our hearts, we tend to think that it will last forever. Our gloom turns to despair, and after some time without joy, we begin to think that there's no hope for us. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts when you lay your head to rest on the pillow of God's sovereignty. 
This should be a great doctrine that brings comfort to us, but yet sometimes it brings us turmoil. And and that's that's a real thing to acknowledge. But the question is, will we submit to the Lord to say, Lord, what you have for me, I am content in. Lord, what you have for me, I sovereign, I will seek to follow you in all things. David does this by turning to the one who brings hope to his hopelessness. Here now, let's look at our second point. David cries out to the Lord in prayer. Second, we see his cry. His cry we see there in the second section of the psalm. And now, if anything, this psalm supports. It's that God indeed uses times like these to form our own character. And to cry out to God in times like this is not sinful at all, but rather, in fact, it is the very presence for the psalm and the scriptures to show us that we can bring our need to the Lord. So know this, Christian. When you face times of anger or sorrow, know that you can say these things to the Lord. He longs to, to, for you to tell Him His heart. He longs for your heart to be revealed to the Lord. Not that He doesn't know these all, rather, but rather He longs to live in relationship with you that you would uh, ask of Him. The very fact that David cries out to the Lord expects what, that God listens to his people. It's important to give voice to things. It's important that we cry uh, to the Lord. But it's more important is to the one in whom we cry. David says, consider me and answer me, O God. This is kind of the staple mark for the next few verses that we see here. Consider me and answer me, O Lord. He is calling for the Lord to respond to him. Hear my prayer and Lord, seek to deliver me. He asked the Lord to listen to his troubles and answer him in his affliction. Like the disciples who were on the rocky waves of the sea, we encounter dark times. We can run to the Lord who hears our cries for help. Like Jonah, it is better to be praying in the belly of the well than to be asleep on the ship. If you see, you see, if certain situations don't arise as it did, would you still have prayed with the same determination that led you to your knees in tears? Would you seek the Lord in the same manner if you were left to your own comfort? Our character is strengthened by the wind and the waves that rage in our lives. Why? Because Christ has allowed this to happen so that we might see rightly who He is. Why else would James write this? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Like the disciples on the boat, when they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? The fear that grips the boys in the boat is, surprised, uh, is surpassed by when Jesus tell, tells the wind and the waves to be still. You see, the eyes of the disciples were narrowed in on their own self-interest. But it's not until Jesus opens their eyes that they encounter the plan of God right before them. Jesus, in that moment on the water, does what only God himself can do. 
And in fact, maybe for the very first time, they finally realize just who this Jesus is. At this point, yes, they believe that he is the anointed son of God, but what shocks them is that this is God in the flesh. They're standing before them as he stills the wind and the waves before them. That's why they declare, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples realize this is not just a mere man, but this is the Son of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. You see, in our desperation, as you seek the Lord in your trouble, God often shows us who he is by his overwhelming power. David here prays that light would fill his eyes, that he might find joy again. But the thing is, uh, in his sorrow in his life, though hard and painful, brings a whole new delight in the Lord. His sorrow helps them to see the delight that he has in the Lord. Or to put it another way, maybe we see the promise of Psalm 27 says this, that the Lord is my light, is most precious from a place of darkness. You know that in your times of sorrow, the Lord is uniquely comforting you. Why? Because He gets you through these moments. And in fact, if you feel like you're not being able to get through this moment, know and draw closer to the Lord because He might be bringing these situations to your life so that you might trust Him. That you might flee from yourself and cling to Him in desperation. If there's anyone here in this season of darkness, or maybe if there's anyone here who has not put their trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, hear this comfort from the Lord. There is someone whom you can cry. If you want to ask the Lord for light to shine in your darkness, Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. Which brings us to our last point of David's comfort. David's comfort in the Lord. He finds his comfort in the steadfast love of the Lord. Nothing here has changed. David is still in his desperation. He is still in his affliction. So we see that nothing has changed from verse 5 to verse 6. There's no sign of an answered prayer. There's no sign of deliverance from his despair. Nothing has changed except David's perspective. His emotions and his thoughts are taken captive by the knowledge of who God is and how God has provided for him. David's trust in this passage is shaped by two realities after reorienting his heart in prayer. Two uh, realities are here. He is shaped by the character of God, one, and he is shaped by God's goodness to him in his past experiences. So if you are dealing with discomfort, know that the Lord is shaping you by his character and that God's goodness for your past experiences will surely deliver you from your future worries. David says this, 
but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. David calls on the name of the Lord that, he, he, that Moses uh, is revealed to in Psalm, uh, sorry, Exodus 34. Right? That the Lord is the one who is uh, abounding in steadfast love. First, David goes right back to the character of God for his strength. This is not strength from his own will. We saw that earlier, that train of thought where it got to him in verse 2, where it led him more and more into his uh, depression, more and more into his sorrow. Rather, he is looking at the character of God for his strength. No, this strength comes from the Lord. Because when the Lord sets, sets his mind on the purpose, he accomplishes it. His love is steadfast meaning he is committed to his children in love. His covenant love is unlike an emotional love that we understand in our culture and in our context today. The steadfast love that David is talking about here is the love of loyalty and commitment. It is a love that Ruth showed Naomi when darkness and desperation covered her hope. Ruth's commitment to go where Naomi goes displays the character of God to love unconditionally, to go wherever he, she goes. It's the same covenant love that, draw, that drove our Savior, Jesus Christ, to the cross. The darkness that loomed over His hanging body, stricken with grief, despised and rejected, is by the very ones whom He came to save. God, in His love for us, sovereignly and willingly, put His Son to death for our sake. Because unlike us, Jesus obeyed the, per the Father perfectly. Meaning, He never sinned. Making Jesus our perfect sacrifice to save our own souls. There is a reason that we find comfort in passages like Romans chapter 8. God's Word brings refreshment to the Christian soul. The faithfulness of the Lord to show steadfast love to His children, children revives our soul when we remember His promises. So Christian, remember His promises. What has God said of Himself in His Word? What do you cling to when your hope seems lacking? What do you cling to whenever you're faced with trials that you don't know how to overcome? We go to His Word. Promises like neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things uh, present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. My hope is that you would remember this promises that God will not forsake you. If we have trusted Him and what He has done for us on the cross, remember that He is faithful to do what He has promised. David knows this truth from understanding the Exodus and through the conquest of the land in Joshua. He knows the character of God, and yet he knows that God is committed to his people in love. And second, we see that David's trust is shaped by the goodness that God has shown to him in his past. So Christian, I would encourage you, when God has seemingly been gracious to you, when you're actually aware of the ways in which he has brought you out of despair... Remember these things. 
so that in future times, when you face these trials again, you can remember that the Lord was, uh, drew you to himself in the past. He will certainly do it in the future. David says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. There in verse 5, I have trusted in your steadfast love. Trusted here is in the past tense. Right? He is recalling back where he has seen God work to bring about uh, David in his goodness. David is looking back on the Lord's faithfulness, which has led him to this point. God's provision in our past builds our trust to look to Him in the future. So no matter where you are at in this life, let us use this time to focus our eyes on Christ, recall the goodness of the Lord and what He has done for you in your life, and let us gear our minds to the Savior of the world. Let our song, uh, let our song that we sing be a joyful one to the Lord, all while remembering His goodness toward us so that we might rest in His promise to look forward to His return. So let us proclaim like the psalmist in the midst of his despair, I will sing to the Lord for He has been good to me. What song do you sing when you are brought under trial? When people revile against you, when people attack you for your character, What song do you sing? Like the disciples, stricken with fear to perish on the sea of sorrow, look to Christ for your comfort. For we can seek comfort in our suffering by remembering the suffering that Christ has bore on the cross. When your days become dark, remember the steadfast love of the Lord. And let me leave you with this as an encouragement. From Philippians chapter 4, it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.